Hi, podcast listeners. This is another chapter in the ongoing serialization of Fates Version Death Sunrise Hotel, a full-length novel that takes place in the Fates Version Death universe. We'll be doing one chapter every other week, uh, free on the podcast, or if you want to listen to or read the whole thing now, you can go to www.fatesworsendeath.com and buy the complete novel. When you buy the paper version of the novel, you'll get access to the complete audiobook that you can download in MP3 format. Fates First and Death Sunrise Hotel contains some pretty heavy subject matter, including some sexual violence, so these podcasts are intended for mature listeners only. Fates First and Death Sunrise Hotel, a novel by Brian St. Clair King. The story takes place in the world of Fates First and Death. Nine days after, Joe and Manny screaming at each other woke up Tina. Joe was standing and Manny was sitting cross-legged on the bed, neither of them more than a few feet away from her. Tina had a headache and the noise hurt her ears, so she trudged barefoot down to the communal bathroom. The door was locked in, so she sat down in the hallway, with her back against the wall, and rubbed her eyes. She could still hear the yelling, even halfway down the hall. Judging by all the other times they'd heard other tenants arguing, having sex, and sobbing, half the residents in the hotel could hear the argument. A person was walking down the hall towards Tina, and Tina scrambled to put on her glasses to see who it was. It was a young man, multiracial, with scruffy black hair and a neatly trimmed beard. He wore military surplus clothing and was carrying a grocery bag. He stopped at Bible Guy's door and started fumbling with some keys. He was handsome, but looked shy. Hey, Tina said, are you Bible guy? He looked at her with a sad, frightened look. Hey, I'm sorry if I scared you, Tina said. I was just really worried about my friend. It's okay, he mumbled and went inside. Thanks, Tina shouted after him. Tina waited and listened to the sounds of screaming from inside the room. Then, abruptly, the screaming stopped. The door was flung open and Manny hurried out. He was holding his face and his cheek was red. Hey, Manny, Tina shouted. Are you all right? Manny ignored her and kept walking. Tina got up and went into the room. Joe was standing there, his legs wide, his chest heaving, his face red with anger. Did you hit him? Tina demanded. Yeah, I fucking hit him, Joe said. He's fucking some other guy and won't tell me who or how long he's been doing it. Tina decided to leave before Joe turned his anger on her. She went outside and waited until the bathroom was free. She stayed in the bathroom a while. When she came back, Joe was inspecting Tina's armor. Is this yours? Yeah. It's nice. An old lady gave it to me for helping her out. Tina put on her armor and they went to try to get in line for breakfast. And on the way, Tina explained how she had saved the old woman. He clapped Tina on the back and said, You are fucking good! Which made Tina smile. While they waited in line, Joe recounted all the details that led him to believe that Manny was romantically involved with someone else. He said that Manny didn't deny it, but wouldn't answer any of his questions. Tina asked if Joe thought Manny would leave. Joe said he didn't think so, because he and Manny had been through so much together. Hey Tina, Joe said. When I said Marisol maybe left because she was scared of you, well, I thought about it, and I don't think that's what happened. It just doesn't seem right. The more I think about it, the more I'm sure that if Marisol was going to leave town, she would have tried to tell us. As they ate, Tina went over what she knew about Marisol's disappearance. She complained about how frustrating it was. All this time, I thought if I could figure out who got stabbed, I'd be able to solve the mystery. Now I know, and it still doesn't make any sense. Maybe if you know where she called the ambulance from, Joe said, that would help. Yeah, Tina agreed, not mentioning that she had already thought of the same thing days ago. They walked over to Broadway to do some hand handling. 
There were several panhandlers there already, and they walked uptown. As they walked, Joe looked up at the tall buildings that lined the street. Man, this city must have been beautiful once. Tina looked up too. There were many broken and boarded up windows. There were large pieces of graffiti that she could only imagine were put there by ciders. A layer of pollution had settled on every surface, making all the brick and glass and concrete dark and grimy, except in those channels where rain dripping down the buildings had washed them clean. Some of the buildings must have been 20 or 30 stories. The sheer scale of it made her feel a bit dizzy. She couldn't think of anything from her life before she came to the city that was as impressive as this. I think it still is beautiful, Tina said quietly. Finally, they found a block within... Finally, they found a block without any other panhandlers. So, Joe said, sitting on the ground with his back to the old metal shutters that covered the front of a closed shop. How are you going to get in the pants of this Drake chick? I doubt I will, Tina said. Sounds like the only way we could do anything is if she inducts me into her family, and I pretty much have to agree to, like, marry her or something. Yeah, he agreed. It's a lot of trouble to get laid. For a homeless chick, she sure sounds like she'd make a good sugar mama, though. Tina laughed at the idea. What, don't you want someone who'll take care of you? Joe asked. I guess, Tina said, I always figured it would be a guy. But you don't really like guys, do you? Yeah, I do, Tina said. What are you talking about? You've seen me with guys. I'm totally bi. Are you? You never seem to want to try very hard to make it work with any guy. What about this math addict wannabe guy? What did you do? Get drunk and fuck him? Ask him to buy you stuff? And what? That guy was a boring little shit, Tina said. But do you ever meet someone, and the way they look and talk and smell just makes you wet? Just makes you want to lick them all over? Yeah, it happens. And are they guys or girls? There's a difference. It's easy as shit to get into a straight guy's pants. Girls, it's not so easy. So if I think about all the people I wanted to fuck but didn't get to, I'm going to be thinking about a lot of girls. You're not answering my question, Joe said. When was the last time a guy made you wet? Or when was the last time you fucked a guy while stone cold sober? I keep telling you it's different between guys and girls. Girls I get these massive crushes on, but I like to fuck guys too. Oh yeah? What's your favorite part of fucking guys? His voice was starting to sound challenging, slightly cruel. Fuck you, Joe. No, I'm serious. What's the part that makes you go, oh yeah? He acted out of sight of pleasure. That's what this is all about. I don't know. Someone gave Tina a quarter. I guess afterwards, when it's all nice. Face it, Tina. You fuck guys because you want the attention. You want them to be nice to you. Tell you that you're the greatest thing in the world. You want them to buy you stuff. You want them to protect you. But not because you actually want to fuck them. You're just a dyko, Tina. Hey, fuck you, Tina said angrily. She stood up and stormed off. Tina went back to the hotel. She walked around for a while looking for payphones, but there were none nearby. She didn't see anyone she recognized. Tina went into the hotel and started knocking on doors on the ground floor until someone answered. A woman's voice asked who was there. Tina said, I'm one of your neighbors. My roommate is missing. Can I talk to you? Find out if you heard anything? The young woman opened the door and let Tina in. Her name was Yesia. She was small, looked to be around 18, looked mostly African-American but with very light skin. The room had nothing in it beside the bed and two old backpacks. Tina explained how Marisol had gone missing after calling an ambulance for someone she was forced to stab in self-defense. Yasia hadn't known Marisol and didn't remember seeing anything that night. Tina asked if Yasia remembered anything odd happening. I do remember. Almost a week ago, I couldn't sleep. It was like 4 a.m. The sky was almost getting light. I heard someone coming down the stairs, except there was a thump. It would be like, step, step, thump. Like that. I thought to myself, that sure as fuck sounds like someone's bringing a body down the stairs. A body? I don't know. Maybe it was someone dragging some furniture down the stairs. But why would someone do that at four in the morning? And when was this? Yashia thought back. It would have been six days ago, I think. 
Tina counted. It was the wrong day. It was two days after Marisol disappeared. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure, because I know I paid the rent the next morning. Tina sat on the bed and talked to Yesia for a while. Yesia was a runaway, too. She had come here with her boyfriend, who was five years older, because her parents were trying to pin a statutory rape charge on him. Her boyfriend lived with her in the hotel, although they didn't plan on being there long. They had survived by doing VR porn, the kind where someone wore a sensory recording system and recorded a full-sense recording of the sex act. The recordings were sold to people with full-immersion VR systems. The SES boyfriend was trying to get her a job at a strip club that would overlook the fact that she wasn't quite 18 yet. Tina asked Yesia how she liked doing pornos. I don't know. The money's really good. The guys are kind of creepy, and they want to tie you up, make you pretend like you're being raped or something. They don't actually hurt me. It's all just an act. It's pretty gross, though, especially thinking about all the pervy guys in VR, feeling what it feels like to be inside me, thinking about me getting raped. How he didn't like it at first, but they explained to him that it was just a bunch of guys in gated communities and corporations. These guys never get to do anything wrong at all, any day of their lives. They just like to fantasize about nasty, horrible stuff like that. They talked for a while about little stuff. Places to get cheap food, parts of the city to avoid, bars that had good music and no cover. Then Yasia started to get nervous and seemed to want to wrap up the conversation. You want me to go? Tina asked. Well, no, but I'm afraid Howie will get mad if he finds out and I open the door for a stranger. I mean, I promised him like a dozen times that I wouldn't talk to strangers. Well, just say you know me. Say one of your friends introduced us. She frowned a little. No, I don't want to lie. Okay, I'll get going, said Tina. Before she left, she said, Hey, if you ever need anything, I'm, I'm up in room 312. Tina went up to her room. When she entered, she was surprised to see Tabitha on the couch feeding a baby with a bottle. Tabitha looked up at Tina when she came in, but didn't say anything. Tina closed the door quietly and cautiously stepped inside. She didn't know much about babies, but she figured this one was probably old enough that it could crawl around. It was mixed race, with skin a little lighter than Tabitha's. Tina sat on the bed. Tabitha stared at Tina with a look of bored anger. Tina noticed Tabitha was wearing new clothes. Finally, Tabitha spoke in a soft voice. Nice armor. Dude, whose baby is that? He's mine. His name's Petrifax. He didn't tell me you had a kid. Well, it was none of your business, she said with soft anger. Yeah, but I mean, what's he doing here? The person who was taking care of him can't anymore, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, but are you going to stay here with him? I might. But there's knives all over the place. Well, you're just going to have to do something about them. Tina gathered up the knives she kept hidden under the bed and couch and placed them carefully up on the little wooden shelf. Then, still shocked and not quite believing it was true, Tina went outside. She walked over to Broadway and found Joe panhandling. 